0: you so much, my son, what a beautiful song. What could be stranger than God in a manger? I like that line. That's certainly true. Uh, Would you (laughs) look at the screen? uh, Lincoln Park singer Chester Bennington hanged himself just a few days ago. He was 41 years of age. He left behind a wife and six children two of them, age seven. He he was not a totally evil man. The doctrine of total depravity does not teach that we are as evil as we could be, but that in every aspect of our being we have been touched with evil. For example, Bennington pled with his followers never to resort to violence. He said violence of any kind was not the solution that should be looked for. And in so doing, he said something that was vitally true that people need to hear today on all sides of issues. And I thank God for that insight that he gave me. Unfortunately, however, though, Bennington had a problem. As he put it, I was on 11 hits of acid a day. I smoked crack, do some meth, And then I smoked opium to come down. One can look at his wife and say, what a tragedy. But it all started early in his life when his parents divorced and he was unable to handle it. Just in case it does not occur to us that God's rules are not arbitrary rules, that some Thor in the sky throws down and says, I want you to do it this way, but rather they are rules given to us because our Lord knew what he had made and he knew how we would respond to be happy and how we would respond to live a life of sadness. And so when we marry and have children and then divorced, uh, harm that we do because we do not do it God's way, can be seen in the life of Chester Bennington. His entire 41 years lived in misery, though he was fabulously wealthy, though he was wonderfully sought after and honored by a following of people. Though he had everything in the world going for him, he was miserable and eventually hanged himself, leaving his wife and children to grieve. In the Bible, in First John, chapter two, and beginning in verse 15, we read these words, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now the world is passing away, and the lust of it also. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is a last hour. And you have heard that the Antichrist is coming and Already there are many antichrists that have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, and none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know... All things those few short verses are packed with vital information for fruitful living everybody has a certain lifespan for some of you it will be no more than 30 years for some it may be 50 and yesterday we had in our service one God has granted to a hundred years but it's rare What we do in that lifespan will be determined by a relationship to God and an understanding of godly things. It's your choice. You may choose to live a life infatuated with lust, as is mentioned in this passage, or you may live a life according to the will and purpose of God. To live a life according to the will and the purpose of God is to live a life that is full of meaning. It's not a life void of hurt. You're all going to have sorrow. It doesn't matter whether you're living for God or living for the devil. You're going to have sorrow. You're going to have hurt. You're going to have heartache. You're going to have difficult things to swallow. You're going to struggle in life. But one group struggles in life and triumphs, and in the midst of all of that struggle, they are supremely happy. Another group has every success in the world, but is absolutely miserable, and they find no rest for their spirit and soul, and eventually it takes them down. Which group will you be in? Now notice what the scripture says. It begins, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now interestingly, the word for love there is not a word we might expect. This is the word agape. It is to love in behalf of another and that's exactly what he means here. Whoever loves the world for what he can do for the world. He is so immersed in the world that the world is his God. That man is doomed to unhappiness. There's so much beautiful in our world. If you don't believe it, come with me to West Texas on a cloudless night when we're far away from the city lights and get out there and look at the brilliance of the skies and the first thing you'll say is, man, I never knew there were so many stars. What what a beautiful world God has given us. And there comes along Harvey and other kinds of storms, and we see uh, the the ugly part of life. But overwhelmingly, the world is a beautiful place that God has created for us and, and put us here. But you got to be careful. you got to be sure that you don't fall in love with the world ahead of your love for Christ. Because to love the world is to act in such a way as not to have the love of the Father. You see, you gotta make a choice. You're either gonna love the world and the things that the world gives you, or you're going to love the Father, one of the two. Well, he gets a little more specific. The reason for this is that all that there is in the world, and he names three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, I want you to think about those three things with me for just a moment this morning. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, the word lust there is epithemia. It comes from an old Greek word, thumas, which means to boil up. you've ever been to Arizona, uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, the uh, park up in uh, uh, the northwest of the country and you've seen the geysers there. The interesting, it's boiling up and that's exactly what you've got with this word thumas, it boils up. And the ep on the front of it, just means upon to boil upon and again and again and again. So, it's one of the figures for human anger. I have grown up with human anger, as I've admitted to you before. Human anger is anger that boils to a heated point and then rapidly subsides, and uh, so it is always unhealthy. So, lust then, is a word which means to boil quickly and uh, to spread itself out all over your life. Well, there are three things that are mentioned here, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, the lust of the flesh is fairly obvious. Most of you young men here are very cognizant of the fact that from a relatively early age, You had to deal with urges in your life that are actually God-given. God created a, a human sexuality and he put it foremost in our minds and hearts so that we would be sure to replenish the earth and so that we would provide offspring on the earth because he suspected that we would not do that out of a good heart. And so he gave us sexual Uh, desires. But when those sexual desires become the motivating factor of your life, when your glands become the motivating factor of your life, what happens is the love of the Father goes away, and the love of the world makes it stand. Now, I'm speaking to you today particularly about the evils of pornography, lust of the flesh, Lust of the flesh comes whenever I have to satisfy this urge and I don't care whether the way I do it is of God or my own way, I am going to satisfy my lust. Now, God has given a channel in which that is to be satisfied. Those sexual desires, those sexual intimacies are to be fulfilled and it's a wonderful channel And God says, that is fine to your heart's content. But everything else he has said no to because he knows you will destroy yourself with it. And many of you today, and unfortunately many females here even, are watching pornography. Now, I'm told regularly now by young people, well, what's so wrong with it? At least I'm not doing something that involves somebody else. Well, yes, you are. You are involving other people, but whether you do or you don't, the fact of the matter is God has spoken about that. This is the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the flesh will invariably hook you and make you a slave. Be careful of the lust of the flesh. We have seen on the screen today the sad story of a man who. In his desperation, looked to what would make him feel good. Let me take drugs, 11 hits a day of acid. Unbelievable. He once said, Bennington once said, it is a thousand wonders that I haven't killed somebody with my automobile because half of the time I was driving and had no idea where I was or who I was. And so it is that all of it, in an effort to fulfill the flesh and to to favor the flesh, the lust of the flesh, and God will not bless it. The lust of the eyes. When Eve saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, and pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, she took of the fruit and ate it and gave also to her husband, who evidently had lost his mind and followed suit and ate the fruit also pleasant to the eyes there's so many things that are beautiful in life beauty is of god god created beauty and and uh, it is right until it becomes your god he never meant beauty to be your god and so as you look at things that are important to you be careful that they don't become your god the lust of the eyes will take you down just like it did our first parents in the garden and finally the pride of life did you know that anger is nothing but a sign of pride some of you have come to school here to teach not to learn um That, in spite of the fact that nobody called you uh, to be a professor here at the school, be careful about that. That's an exposition of pride. If you have more to say than the professor does, that's an indication that there is pride in your life. The pride of life. I have listened to Dr. Walker's introduction of me a while ago, and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, you really did something good, didn't you? The pride of life. God can't use that kind of pride. Anything that, in fact, any of us have done for the glory of God is also just like our salvation by the grace of God. We have not achieved anything in our own, own being. We have simply been remarkably used of God. When I get to thinking about it and think about who I really am and the fact that God has used me to do anything, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. And, and you should be also the pride of life. Pride will take you down many roads and there are killers waiting down every one of them. The pride of life. Well, the world is passing away. And uh, along with the world, The lusts are passing away, and so, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So my question becomes, how then do I navigate all this? How you think about things is what you will ultimately be. As you know, I do a little bit of hunting. I like to hunt something big enough to hunt me back i don't understand these bird hunters <laughs> what's the bird gonna do to you i mean a sweet little thing flies over and you blast him out of the sky i mean <laughs> dear me <laughs> and so go hunt something big enough to hunt you back The fun is in that moment when you're approaching dangerous game and the Cape buffalo is pawing the ground and he's looking at you and he's ready to come. I'll never forget the first buffalo that I took. She went right down. The problem was it wasn't supposed to be a she. It was supposed to be a him and I was all lined up on him and just as I squeezed the trigger she walked in front and down she went what a disappointment big old Cape Buffalo right behind her he just looked at me then they all ran off and then the whole herd 65 of them got mad and came back I knew we had trouble when every one of my porters climbed trees I couldn't climb that tree No way. I mean, it's straight up with no limbs. They just shimmied up to the top, you know. And uh, I realized we got some problems here. 65 Cape buffalo, three hunters, maximum 12 bullets among us, 65 Cape buffalo. So I said to the professional hunter, what is plan B? He said, I don't even have a plan A. I started to hum Lord I'm coming home (laughs) that line of 65 Cape Buffalo is standing out there 40 feet away and threatening to all come at once finally the professional hunter got his mind about him a little bit and he said keep shouting at them maybe they'll go away but if they charge he said take out the center ones right here coming right at us, and then we all three dive in at the stomach of the one you've already put on the ground, and we'll just hope they don't get us. Now, I'll tell you what, this is fun, folks. I I mean, you got to do this sometime. Uh, there, (laughs) There is nothing quite like it in the world. It is fun to hunt something seriously big. Can I take you on the most serious hunt you'll ever go on? It's mentioned in the Bible. The apostle Paul spoke of taking every thought into captivity. That's the most dangerous hunt you'll ever do, taking every thought into captivity. Your thought life that you live with and allow to happen in your mind and heart will determine what you ultimately do you have to bring your thought life into captivity if you don't bring your thought life into captivity as sure as the world your end will be tragic well how do i do that how do i how do i bring my thought life into captivity i, I read about the fruit of the spirit love joy peace long suffering goodness kindness Against such there is no law. I love all of those things. Unfortunately, I don't have one of them, naturally. Not a one of them. I am the exact opposite of all that. Some of you are better off than I. But I don't have a one of those things, naturally. Long-suffering, for example. Oh, I thank God my wife's not up here right now. Boy, could she tell some tales on that. He's just not long-suffering at all. Love, joy, peace, those are are not characteristic of me. How, How will I ever have those? How will I think that way instead of the other way? Well, he tells you right here in the last verse that I read, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You have an anointing from God. When you trust Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of the Living God takes up residence in your soul, and from that point, He gives you an anointing. Now, an anointing was the symbolic gesture that indicated the presence of the Spirit of God. When Aaron came into the priesthood, he was anointed with oil. Yeah, you just have a little vase like that, and tip it over and get a little on the edge of the finger and pop you in the head and say you're healed. Anointing of oil was with profusion. Read it in the Psalms. They anointed Aaron and the oil ran down into his beard and into the skirts of his garments. Man, God gives not his spirit by just little bits. He pours out the Spirit of God upon you. You have an anointing, and to the degree that you nourish that and allow the anointing of God to be powerful in your life, you can bring every thought into captivity to Christ, and you can begin to produce the fruits of the Spirit, and your life will become a happy and meaningful life. 1956, an interesting fellow died. Unlike Bennington, he was 10 years older. He was 51 years of age. His name is Dawson Trotman and most of you have never heard of him. But Dr. Blazing knows all about Dawson Trotman because during his growing up years, down in Middle Texas, he became a navigator. A navigator, of course, is usually a word used for a flying navigator or a navigator on board ship. He's the one who maps out the direction that the airplane is to go or the ship is to go. And so Dawson Trotman, found the Lord. He had a similar background to Bennington. like Bennington, his parents divorced, and he didn't quite know where he was, but somewhere in the process of all this, somebody got to him with the gospel. And Dawson Trotman came to know the Lord. He founded the Navigator Organization, which was primarily involved in the learning of scripture the memorization of scripture because dawson trotman said that's how a spiritual navigator makes his way in life and so dr blazing carried around as did i and a few of the others of you that are old enough to remember that a packet like that had to open it up and had memorized scripture scripture to memorize little cards and you could get as many of them as you could put in there And and we carried those with us and we memorized scripture everywhere we went. I can't tell you how much that helped my life. He would give the exact same testimony. Dawson Trotman, though I never knew him and never met him, made a firm impact on my life. Started out like Bennington. Let me tell you how he ended up. In 1956, he was on Shroon Lake in upstate New York. He was very, very tired. He'd been literally all over the world sharing Christ with people, preaching in Billy Graham crusades alongside Billy, giving his testimony. And he was worn out, but he just couldn't take a vacation. He tried, and after two days, he was driving everybody crazy that he knew. He just had a fire in his belly, and he had to tell people about Christ. And So he was sitting out, reading Bounds' famous book, "Power Through Prayer." Sitting on the side of Lake of Shroon Lake, he heard uh, a man heading his way in a boat. He knew the man very well. Man drew up beside the bank and said, "Get in. We're going out. We're going to take some of these kids out in the boat." So he joined Jack Wurtzen, the uh, radio evangelist, and. Uh, in the boat, and they picked up a group of kids and went out into the lake. The lake was choppy that day, and, and uh, probably Vortson was uh, uh, reliving his childhood a little bit, and he was uh, taking some tight turns, and at one point he took a little tight turn, and just as he did, a heavy wave uh, hit the boat and uh, threw it sideways. It did not capsize, but uh, Trotman and One young lady was sitting up on the back of the seat at the back of the boat, and both of them went in the water. Fortunately, Trotman had asked just moments before, is there anybody here who can't swim? That young lady had said, no, I don't know how to swim. And so somehow, remarkably, as they flew in the air, Trotman got hold of her arm. And when they hit the water, she, of course, began to sink. Trotman, remember, was worn out. He had very little energy, but with all of his might, he struggled and struggled and struggled to keep that little girl's head above water. And the boat came back at that point to pick them up, and miraculously, with difficulty, they were able to pick her out of the water. But in the process, they saw Trotman slip beneath the water. He died at age 51 in Shrone Lake. His biographer, Betty Lee Skinner, said interestingly, quote, he died as he had lived, saving others, end of quote. Wouldn't you love that to be said of you? What a remarkable life ending. It says, You're planning it now. You're going to die more like Bennington or more like Dawson Trapper. The choice is yours. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the Word of God. We thank you for the option that you have given us, that you've not made us automatons and made our choices for us. And yet, Lord, it is awesome that we have to make this choice. So, Father, today I pray that you would enable each student here to determine that the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life will not be the basis upon which they determine how to live, but, Lord, may we live for you in the power of the Spirit. May the Spirit of God inform us and may we bring every thought into captive to, captivity to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.